And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Donna Dort. Donna Dort. Donna Dort. This is Lee Dort, and I'm Donna Dunk. This is Lee Dort, and I'm Donna Dort. I'm Josh Giddy, and I'm down to dunk. Hey, this is Kenny Hustle, and I'm down to dunk. I'm Darius Baisley, and I'm down to dunk. I'm Mike Muscala, and I'm down to dunk. This is Poku, and I'm down to dunk. I love cereal. Captain Crunch. Cinnamon Toast Crunch. Cracklin' Oat Brand. Oh, I can have these? I'm going to share with my team, but I'm a hog most Welcome to Down to Dunk. I'm your host, Andrew Schlecht. We're part of the Athletic Podcast Network. With me, as always, on Wednesdays, is my good friend Alex Spears. Alex, what's up? What's up, Andrew? If you're watching on YouTube, I love that our guests couldn't put their camera on, so it's a big reveal, Andrew. No one knows who our guest is. Well, I have it in the title of the episode, so maybe it's not. (laughs) Uh, With us, Derek Murray, BasketballNews.com, here to talk about what happened in the NBA draft. Derek, what's up, man? Hey, what's going on, guys? appreciate you having me. Um, Man, it was, yeah, a wild week up in New York, up in the player and team hotels um and then paolo going one just honestly it was just kind of madness from start to finish but it were, was you there? And I thought the were you there so in new york we were yeah i was in new york for the whole week um during the draft itself matt was in the green room i was in a studio across the street doing a lot of recording stuff live shows and stuff like that but we were in the hotels or in the same hotel with like all the players and, and agents and stuff so the tension and anxiety especially that morning of was like just palpable like i just sat in the lobby and like no one was talking it was just nervous <laughs> energy the whole day so like honestly it was a lot of fun uh any any little nugget that you can give us from from that day or that night uh it's always interesting when yeah, <laughs> i always say it gently uh you know agents are doing their thing trying to get each other's players and then they have to be like cordial in the hotel lobby yeah <laughs> it's like they're smiling hey good to see you and then you walk away and it's like yeah well i know they tried to do this and they told my kids parents this and all that kind of stuff it's just funny <laughs> oh that's awesome uh so paulo does go number one which was a surprise to everybody uh except for the people in vegas apparently uh the night before uh knew that but they took paulo and i think there was some at least intrigue for a few minutes whether the Thunder would actually go with Chet or if Jabari Smith would be the guy, but they went with Chet. Uh, what was your thought whenever they took Chet, and then how do you think he will fit with this current Thunder squad? I mean, yeah, I think Chet was the guy regardless at that point. Um, I did, like everybody, there was a moment where I thought, oh my gosh, like Jabari might actually come to OKC. Um, Chet just answers, like we said before, all the immediate questions that the Thunder need on the floor. They need defense, rim protection, spot-up shooting. I think day one, he's going to give you that. Um, 
Stretch five is how I see him being used. Be curious if, you know, centers or big men in the future, maybe you can move Chet to the four. I, I think he's a stretch five. Um, I expect a lot of pick and pop threes this year. And I expect a lot of corner threes with um, Giddy sentence, get passes over to the corner with one hand and you're just not going to block that shot. So I, like the rim protection is going to come. Um, I just care. I'm really curious to see how they use them on offense. I think spot up guy pick and pop is probably what we're going to see the most of early on. What do you think about some of the front court combinations with guys they already have on the roster? Like w- which of those combinations do you like? Do you think there, they, there is some variability there with how they can use Chet? I do. Like, I think if you, if you play, remind me what nickname we're calling Arkansas, Jalen Williams. He is Jay Will. He's Jay Will. Or I've just been calling him Razorback Williams because I feel like that sounds yeah. way cooler. Yeah. <laughs> like, I think Jay, with Jay Will on the floor, you can actually play Chet at the four, but you're still able to space the floor really well. Like, guys who, again, we're only three hours from Fayetteville, so I was able to go over there a handful of times the last couple of years. Williams is really comfortable kind of in that Jokic-esque role where he has the ball at the top of the key surveying the floor almost as a facilitator. So I think with him and Chet playing together, Chet at the four, Williams at the five, like you're going to have rebounding. Chet is still going to be able to protect the rim, but you can still play like a five-out offense with cutters. So that I think works really well. And then JRE's skill set I think allows him to be the four with Chet at the five. So I think all three of those guys in particular are interchangeable um, and you can play them a variety of ways. So like, that's why their styles are so different. Like I look at Chet and Jay will as like a uh, Reggie Bush, like Lindell white one, two punch at running back. You got your speed guy and then you got your power. You know, it's the same kind of thing. They're very different styles, but I do think they play well together. Yeah. The, the team seemed to be very excited about him. The other day when we got to talk to the rookies, um, you know, he was the 34th pick and you had three lottery picks. But I think there was a lot of excitement about what he can do as well, because they and the Thunder have a type. And I think that they have definitely shown their hand on that is that they're looking for guys that can all make decisions with the basketball. And that's what they got at all four picks, which I thought was really interesting. Uh, let's go to the guy they traded for at 11. They traded three first round picks. In order to get this player, Usman Jang, uh, thoughts on Usman? And and I think people say it's going to take a, some time for him, but can you kind of explain what needs to be developed in his game for him to be ready for the NBA? Yeah, I do agree in part with the whole like take some time. He's not near the project Poku you know was or is. He's definitely farther along in his development than Poku was on their respective draft days. So I have loved Jang since he was probably like 15. He was a point guard, scrawny, skinny little, you know, 6'2", 6'3", 6'4", at the time, um, just killing his peers when playing for France. I think the FIBA's U16s a couple years ago, he played really, really well. Um, and I pushed to my bosses, to our clients, to agents. I was like, this is a lottery guy early in the year. And honestly, based on pure volume, I did not look good until about (laughs) halfway through March. Like (laughs) I I was not, they were like, Oh really? Like not looking good for you right now. Kids averaging three points a game. I was like, okay, well like everybody chill out. Like this is taking a little longer than I anticipated. Um, but I like 
three first round picks does feel like a lot. That being said, a six nine point forward who can operate as your point guard, who might still be growing, is a great kid and has exceeded against his peers at every age since like 14. Hmm. That's worth betting on. So he's not a project. Yes, it will quote take some time, you know, in whatever traditional sense you want to say that. But I love the fact that they gave up so much because that tells me they are invested in making this work. And he's definitely both skill set and personality, the kid that like I would be comfortable outside looking in, investing that much in as well. So I I loved it. I was <laughs> I was thrilled because it, it vindicated me in a lot of conversations from like last <laughs> fall. <laughs> you mentioned that there's this idea that maybe one day he could potentially serve as a, as a team's point guard, whether that's in like a primary or a secondary role. And that was always my question with him because like, what do you think his developmental path will look like in Oklahoma city where they have Shea Gilgis Alexander, they have Josh Giddy, they already have these like elite creators and playmakers. Like, do you think they will develop Usman to be that type of guy or will they focus more on the off ball stuff? Yeah. So again, I, I do not like player comps. I've said that before because it's unfair, but the style of play, I would want to develop him and I hope they do as well in a Paul George type mold where he's technically a three or a four, depending on your lineup and his size, yet he can literally be your primary initiator for 20 minutes a game, 30 minutes a game if you need him to be. So I see he'll probably end up being more off ball as a, as a secondary guy. I mean, when you have Shea and Giddy, like they're, you just, no one else should be your primary, just honestly. Yeah. But if I look at that Paul George where you're 6'9, but you almost have to be defended by opposing twos because you can create and facilitate. And, and if, for anybody who's, I mean, I'm sure the highlight tapes are out there somewhere in the Thunder media, but some of his passes are just ridiculous. Like he sees the floor so well, where, I mean, there are lineups in a couple of years where you could have Shea as, like a slashing three, like you could run Giddy as your one and, and Jang as your two. And I mean, not only are you just huge, but yeah. everybody can pass. <laughs> so that's how, that's how I think. I don't think he'll ever be like the primary guy, but as a secondary creator initiator, like I honestly, I think he's got incredible potential. Yeah. He's massive. I stood next to him the other day. He is huge. I was really surprised because I, you know, some some guys are like, yeah, they're six ten, but maybe they're really like close, closer, like six eight or six nine. Like he's probably closer to seven feet than he is six ten. Like he's massive. Yeah, and and it's the whole like guard skills shot up type thing. Yeah. Who knows? I I didn't have my hands on his medical information. Maybe he's still growing, and we don't even know that. Yeah, and Sam's over there rubbing his hands together, like, yeah, I got another seven footer. Like no one knows yeah. he's actually he's seven feet yet. Uh, I mean, yeah, he, he could still be growing because I think at the beginning of this year, he was 6'9 when he got to the breakers. Hmm. And now he, everybody I've talked to, it's already like 6'10. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, he's a legit 6'10, which was a little surprising to me. And he's got a pretty good frame on him, too. Uh, like you can see a world where he fills out and can be somebody that's that can play a little bit more physical. And, and that's also a question with him. And something that I wanted to ask you is like, he doesn't he kind of shies away from contact and like how limiting do you think that will be and do you think that maybe that's or is that overblown that was definitely one of the reasons that he struggled to score inside in the first probably 2 months of this NBL season 
did not like contact at the rim, um, even when trying to get downhill. Won't say like he was strong enough to where he didn't quote get bumped off his line, but he w- didn't have the physical strength to just put his head down and bully through people to get to the rim. So I do think that'll be something he has to adjust to, but his frame will allow him exactly like you said. It's I don't think it's ever going to be a oh Jang's still not strong enough to do this. It's just mentally he's going to have to understand I am big enough to do this, and hopefully at 22, 23, he's like okay, I'm a grown man. I belong on this floor. I have the body. I'm bigger than them. I'm more skilled. Like I'm going to do what I want to. You just need to try to channel that aggressive nature into his like wiring. Could you give us some context for the NBL? Cause obviously going into the season, you were high on Jing and then he got off to that rough start. What are some of the pros and cons of him going to that league versus, you know, coming over and playing in college or something like that and how that might've changed our perception of him? Yeah, in the same way that we look at guys who go to Ignite, I put it very, very close. And that's just me personally. I probably I, I hold the G League a little bit higher. But in the same way, I don't hold things, I don't hold struggles, especially physical, against 18 or 19-year-olds who go over to the NBL. I'm just not going to do that. Like Jaden Hardy's fall to 37 is wild to me. Like I understand the concerns. But then you have Jang still going lottery in the NBL who honestly, even at the end of the year, wasn't scoring with nearly the volume Hardy was. And again, you have to look at potential, can't buy into what's happening just right now. But there is something to say for for Hardy's fall because I, I don't know. I, the NBL, I hold it in a high regard. So when people go over there and struggle, young guys, like even Hampton, when he went over there early, I, I don't usually hold that very hard against those kids. Yeah, that makes sense. It's it's a tough league. And he even talked Usman talked about it the other day. It's like he had to play against grown men, you know, not not his peers, but grown men in a in a country where they he was not speaking the same language as them. And, you know, he he could have just stayed in France. I'm I'm just really curious about that choice too, you know, to travel all the way across the world to go to the NBL. I don't know if you have any insight on like why that was his choice. Yeah, he had suitors from all over the world because everybody saw it. Um, I think that he and his agent definitely just kind of figured that was the right um, figures. Figured that was the right move, partially because of the competition level. Like it was a level of competition where they say, "Hey, even if he does struggle, this will prepare him better for the league than you know league X, Y, or Z over here." So I just think it was like he probably had 10, 15 league options calling him. Everybody wanted him. Hmm. So we we talked about how. You think that Usman is less of a project than Poku was at the same time. So should Thunder fans, in your opinion, expect that we'll see a lot of Usman Jang on the court this year as opposed to playing with the blue like we saw for Poku in his first two seasons? Yeah, I think we'll I think we'll probably see a mix. You know, there's it's kind of a joke around around the league a little bit where not in an insulting way, but it's like, hey, there are minutes to be had in OKC for young guys. So I think that they're still going to be in that situation next year. And Jang is a guy where, at least early on, I would, I would throw him out there. I'd say, what, what are we working with? Where is he mentally? Where is he physically? How developed is this skill set, especially as a secondary you know, initiator and creator? And let's just see what's here. Jalen Williams, to me, uh, excuse me, J-Dub, I believe that Jalen Williams yeah. <laughs> is ready to come in and probably give you pretty decent minutes very early. Yeah. Like you can only have so many ball handlers <laughs> before someone is just stuck on the bench for a long time. 
And if Jang becomes that guy for even a hint, I would send him to the blue. Because just like Poku, like when, when Poku was drafted, I just kept saying the same thing. I don't care which team he gets minutes on, but put him on the floor. Like I just let him play basketball. Do not let him get stuck in that gray area where I'm not going to the G League, but I'm also not playing with the Thunder. Like as long as Jang doesn't do that, I think it's great for him. But initially, early on, I'd put him out there for the Thunder team, and like we got to figure out what we're working with here. Yeah, offensively, I think there's some questions just because of the shooting, but defensively, I feel like that might be the reason he does get on the court because they don't have guys on the wing that are great defenders just readily available on the roster. I don't know if you agree, but I I feel like his defense is definitely more ready than maybe his offensive game is for the NBA. I think so. I mean, he's got really good, he's like really great length, um, and he's smooth. He's not a quick twitch guy, mm-hmm. but he is pretty mobile for his size. And that's where, you know, on the tape, it can be a little bit deceiving where he looks slow, but his strides are very long. And again, he's highly intelligent on both ends of the floor. So he's going to be in the right spot on defense. And he's not going to be some all NBA guy, but he's not going to be a liability either. Like, I think his defense will be good enough to where you can leave him on the floor. Like exactly like you're saying. Uh, So let's move on to Jalen Williams, Santa Clara. So at the 12th pick uh, last week, me and Andrew were talking about this Kevin Arnovitz article about the Phoenix Suns and like how they don't really care about the draft. And there was a line in there about how the Thunder have like terabytes of data on every single prospect that has ever played basketball in the world. And I thought that was a really interesting detail in comparison to what Presti said at the press conference, which is that Jalen Williams was like a super late riser for them. I thought it was interesting that a team who has all this data for all these years can still take a guy that they only really warm up to in these last couple months I was wondering just what you thought of that pick in general based on what you know about how OKC uh, looks at prospects. Williams is going to be a really reliable, solid ball handler in the NBA. Um, Point guard, combo guard, however you want to look at it. It was strange to me from a team building standpoint because they said his name. And and initially I had not like I, I was thinking, oh, this has to be going to New York. I thought this has this pick has to be included in the Jang deal. So like Knicks must have wanted a point guard here. I think just taking a ball handler was weird to me. Just again, like I said, like from a, from a roster standpoint, team building Williams, I think he had like 18 points a game at Santa Clara. It was probably December, January before any of us um, really got on or he got our, on our radar, excuse me, that we started traveling out to see him. And then in the combine is where he just exploded. I think he measured 6'6", plus 9.75-inch wingspan. So huge arms. And then jumped, I believe, at 39 in the max vertical. And that's just one of those, like, your eyebrows raise, your eyes get wide, you go, okay. Like, yeah, he was was killing the WCC, but he's also clearly an NBA athlete here. So those questions are no more. Um, I never saw him going in the lottery. I'll be honest. I heard a lot of ties to Atlanta at 16. Mm -hmm. They were all over him. So I thought that was going to be the earliest that he went. Um, Yeah, I I like the player. I do not think it's a stretch based on the combine. I just don't know how it fits on like a team building perspective. Like how much ball is there to go around as like a primary guy? Because Jade up here, he's the guy you want running the pick and rolls. 
you, know, you want him to be the decision maker with the ball in his hand in the half court offense. So I don't know. I'd almost be curious to hear y'all's thoughts on picking a point guard because my initial gut, and I don't follow the team nearly as much as you guys do, was just okay. It's strange to me to pick like a true on ball guard this high. Yeah, I th- I think the vision is to use him in a lot of different ways. I I even heard from somebody that they might play him at the four at times. Um, oh my goodness. That they want to just put him all over the floor and that the the vision is to have a decision maker at every single position. And that's kind of like the ultimate like Presti team when this is all said and done is that everybody at all five positions is going to be able to make a decision with the basketball once it hits their hands. And so I think they think of him as kind of this like plug and play multi-tooled guy. Um, I almost think of him as like Derek White and what the Celtics had to do with him, you know, over the course of the playoffs. They played him in a lot of different spots. He played back on point guard. He played on the wing. He played the two. Uh, so I think that's kind of the vision for him as well. Uh, he did shoot really well off the catch, which he didn't get to do a lot because he really was kind of the engine of Santa Clara's offense. But I'm interested to see how it works too. And I wonder if he's maybe even a better long-term fit on the wing um, offensively than some of the other guys that are on the court. Um, Yeah, I was wondering, because obviously I'm not watching Santa Clara these last three years, and he was a three-year player there. Was he always in that primary ball handler role, or did he used to have more of an off-ball role before moving into that role? I don't know if we lost Eric, but from from oh. what I understand, he he's always been a point guard, and like okay. he is, he's shot like he's grown a lot yeah. in the last few years, and so it's it's almost interesting that he could evolve to become a wing because he has always been a point guard, um, hmm. and so he's more of like now a wing sized point guard just because he was always kind of a smaller guy, and then especially through high school. Like he was like actually like pretty small in high school. And so his game has evolved a little bit as he's grown. And now, you know, I think it's an interesting experiment to see what the Thunder can do with him and actually if they can put him in different spots and how he could thrive. Um, so it's it's interesting. Hoopsaw69 says, I hope to God he's better than Derek White. <laughs> He's a better sh- he's a better shooter than Derek White, but don't hate on Derek White. Derek White was awesome for the Celtics, and yeah, I I don't know. I think that's silly. The, the reason I was asking that is because I was looking at his synergy profile and like all the categories that could be categorized as like off ball mm-hmm. in some way, whether it's like spot up or cuts or off screen. Obviously, on low number of possessions, but he gets an excellent rating on all of these. Yeah, so I'm wondering if they they think that there's a really good off-ball player there, even if that wasn't really what he was doing in college. Yeah, and, and to your point, he has the size and length to play the three. So I guess just as as I evaluated him, the thought of playing him off-ball honestly never came to the forefront of my mind. But again, the spot-up shooting is the one is the one aspect of that off-ball where it's like, all right, this is – this is for real. So I mean, at six seven with those arms and the, the vertical, he plays like he's six eight. Um, I could see him at the three again. The Thunder lineup—they're just going to be huge. Like they're just going to be enormous. Yeah, yeah. I think that's the idea: is that we're they're big for their position and more skilled than everybody for their position. 
And it's really an interesting way to build a team because I don't, there haven't been a lot of teams that have tried this before. I think, I mean, I guess the Celtics are like the closest thing to that where everybody could kind of move the ball a little bit, but this is even a different level than that. (laughs) I mean, it's, it is going to be really interesting to see how this evolves over the next few years. Uh, Jay Will, Jalen Williams out of Arkansas. Uh, tell us tell us more about him. He's a sophomore, uh, played really well in the tournament, uh, really interesting player, almost averaged, I think, around three assists per game, which is pretty interesting for a big man. Uh, what, what did you see from him in the last two years? He probably stands in the top five or ten guys that I loved watching and evaluating the last couple years. He plays with such energy every single possession on both ends plays within himself and understands his role like he never tries to do too much um excels surveying the floor from the top of the key as a distributor uh will put it on your head at the rim like even though he's not the super explosive like he's not gonna go out and jump a 40 or anything like that but he's really aggressive he's fearless and wants to dunk on people an incredible incredible teammate a great personality um, as you guys, I think a lot of y'all saw in the media, like huge photogenic smile, like oh, the yeah. fans are going to love him. Yes. Um, just an all around team guy, which again, a little bit of thunder show in their hands last couple of years too, of upside early intelligence all the way through high floor in the second round. Like, I think that's what we've seen. That's why the JRE pick and then he in that same kind of early 30 spot back to back years that tells me, okay, like. I see what this front office wants to do with picks in the 30s. Now, this makes sense. So I love Williams. He's going to be a lot of fun. I think he's going to be a backup center. I don't know if he's got like long-term starter in him, but at a minimum, I think you've got a long-term backup center um, that the city, the team, and everybody who comes through here is going to love. So the, we've been talking since the draft. We've mostly been focusing on the off- offensive side of the ball for good reason. And there's been those some concerns about, like, are they drafting too many ball handlers? But I want to look at the other side of the floor because last year when everyone was healthy, we were talking about a top 12 defense in the league with Oklahoma City. And now we're bringing in Chet. We're bringing in both the Jalen Williams. Do you think, like, th- could this team be a top 10 defense next year with the guys they brought in? I think they could be if Chet really, really holds his own on the interior. Um, I worry about Jalen, Santa Clara, Jalen, um, his mm-hmm. defense. That was the one part of his game where I really had some issues. Um, you had a plus nine wingspan and weren't really effective on or off the ball. But with with Arkansas, Jalen Williams, um, you're at least going to have a post presence that will be a bruiser all game. And that's why he and JRE together, you're going to get every single rebound and you're going to get discipline on both sides. You're probably not going to get a ton of blocks. You play either with either of them with Chet, you've got a guy sitting there blocking all the shots, and then you've got the other post taken care of with discipline, strength, and physicality. So it would not shock me if that defense ended up top 10. Hmm. So looking at the rest of the draft, were there any any picks that shocked you in like the the lottery that was just like, wow, I can't believe they did that, or maybe a guy that went too high or too low? I don't think anything in the lottery. I mean, the Kings, the Kings taking Keegan. Obviously, I think people will talk about for a long time. Um, Detroit is just over the moon to get Ivy at five. Uh, I was told that Sacramento had a couple offers for four. 
at that six, seven, eight spot where they could have actually potentially gotten Keegan at those as well. Oh, interesting. So I believe that there was a little bit of assets left on the table where you could have had Keegan plus instead of just taking him at four. Um, but nothing else in the lottery really stands out to me. The very first one is Walker Kessler at 22. Yeah, That just felt a little high to me. I understand what they're trying to do, anchor the defense, uh, the rim protection, you play Towns outside. I thought there was some talent just personally, some talent on the board. And then Ty Ty Washington falling all the way to 29. Yeah, thought Houston hit a home run this draft. I um, think they had one of the best drafts of the whole night. So those are the ones. Yeah, I think Kessler, Ty Ty, those are the ones that stick out to me as far as like too high, too low kind of thing. I wanted to ask you, and this may be one of our last questions, but going back to number one with Paulo Bencaro going number one, you're someone who is on the Intel side of this throughout this whole process. What was that like specifically in regards to Bencaro going number one? Like what was the earliest you heard, hey, this might actually be a reality or, or even a possibility, or was it all Jabari this entire time as it seemed like from, from the public's point of view? Yeah, so at the Combine, we had gotten chatter that the leadership in Orlando wanted to take Ben Caro. Um, we kept that in-house. We kept it to ourselves because there wasn't, there wasn't enough out there to kind of verify that. So it was like, ah, we're not, I'm not going to do this. But the chatter was there. And then from the end of the combine all the way until about Wednesday morning, it was nothing but Jabari. The chat workout down there went horribly my understanding is that Orlando actually felt pretty disrespected by the way that workout went. Hmm. Um, oh, really? And then, yeah, Wednesday afternoon, Wednesday night, it started to pick up in the hotel. And I was like, uh, <laughs> we need to revisit this stuff we heard at the combine. Like, there, this might actually be real. But wait, I, did, I never got enough for us to change the mock. Um, I got to give all the credit to Orlando. That front office did a great job. They did their jobs very, very well. One of the best smoke screens and kind of hiding jobs of, of who they liked um, that we've ever seen. So I got to give them props. So that rumor about Chet potentially bombing his magic workout, that that could be true? Like he was really trying to uh, get to the Thunder? I believe so, yes. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> have you ever been have you ever been in any of these workouts where like a player is purposely bombing it because i just i've always we we hear that a lot yeah. like oh this player is like purposely screwing up in workouts like what does that actually look like in person like are they shooting over the backboard like <laughs> how, how extreme is it um if if there's ever kind of like a manipulation of an agent trying to get their guy to a certain team it's more it's it's not that looking poor in a workout to try to deceive like the skill level. It's more of sure. We'll come, we'll meet with you, but we'll shoot for 10 minutes. We're not going to do a two hour workout for you. And then we're also not going to give you any medicals. So we oh. check a box that we were here, but it's also kind of clear that we would prefer you not pick us. Wow. Yeah. That is really interesting. Uh, Derek, thanks so much for joining us today. Uh, you can follow Derek on Twitter at D hoops and read his stuff at basketballnews.com. Thanks so much, man. Yeah, thanks for putting up all the watchers with my uh, faceless hobby here. Moving to a new house, no internet. And <laughs> you guys have been very, very patient with me. So thank you, and thanks for having me as always. All good, thanks, man. Derek. Yeah, thanks for joining. Uh, we'll be right back after this quick break, and Alex and I are going to discuss more draft stuff and maybe some free agency things. We'll be right back. 
Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shea Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shea Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture-themed trophies for six basketball-related activities. Trophies like the Dominic Toretto I Live My Life a Quarter Mile at a Time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina Wine Mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. And we're back from that quick break. Al, what's up, man? What's going on? That, I, that, that's so interesting about Chet and the Magic because we, we <laughs> had know. heard that. Yeah. But I I didn't know how true it was. I and know it's it's wild, like how much he wanted to go to the Thunder. It makes you feel kind of good. If if a player, if we heard reports of that that a player like didn't want to visit OKC or yeah. did the same thing to OKC, it would be kind of devastating. Like we would justify it. We'd say, oh, we don't want him anyway. Right. I we know. don't want him here. Yeah. But it it would hurt a little bit. Yeah. If you heard Jabari like came here and just bombed, you know. Yeah. I think you would feel like, oh no, <laughs> this is not good. This is not good for the future of our team. 
Because uh, yeah. we, we've talked about it, like the idea that not only are we doing all this to get a top five pick, but you're also just like hoping that you land it in the year where the guy who's really good also could potentially want to stay in Oklahoma City long term. Like yeah. it's such a narrow path yeah. that you have to get down. And it feels like they did, at least for this draft. I know. And it, it does also feel good because we we heard from like a lot of Orlando Magic fans that they really wanted Chet. Yeah, that's the player that they wanted and to be able to get him i think it's such a big deal i mean i I think that we can lose sight of what happened the other night a little bit by either focusing on like three picks for usman jang like that's crazy or like focusing on the jalen williams guys but i mean what matters most is the thunder have chet holmgren on their team and that's, I mean, that's, it's such a big deal because if he turns out to be anything close to what think people think his ceiling could be, I mean, this rebuild, I mean, really, it couldn't have gone better in a lot of ways with the way that SGA has turned out. You know, you get the sixth pick last year, but you actually get a good player in Giddy, and then you wind up with the second pick. And Chet, who, who seemed like he could have been the first pick and maybe should have been the first pick, falls to you at two. It's just, it it feels like everything is kind of coming together for this team in a lot of ways. Yeah, and and it really felt like they nailed like getting to number two. Yeah. Like, h- how much harder would that whole process have been if we were at three or four? I know. Like, I don't know what they would have done it for. I really don't. <sighs> I don't either. I felt. I felt sick to my stomach whenever I saw the report that they were going to take Jabari Smith at two. (laughs) Yeah. When Chris Haynes mistakenly tweeted that, I was just like, oh, no. It's like, they can't be doing this. Um, And they didn't. (laughs) And they didn't. I had like two minutes of just like, oh, no. This can't be real. The other thing I've been thinking about is, you know, they got the back-to-back picks, 11 and 12. Yeah. There's no reason why Presti could not have taken Jalen Williams at 11 and Jang at 12. And that would have completely changed how we talked about the draft because then it's because, because we're so focused on, they traded three picks for Usman Jang, but he could have just as easily taken Jalen Williams. Yeah. And then we'd be saying he traded three picks for Jalen Williams. Yeah. And so I'm like, he obviously had to make a decision. Yeah. And I wonder if that went into it at all, like choosing, who he's going who, who's going to be a part of that narrative because trading three picks for Jang actually kind of makes more sense if you view him as this like long-term upside project yeah as opposed to trading him for the 21 year old you know junior coming out of college yeah yeah it's it is interesting I think you could think of it as like they traded those like three protected future picks so they could pick twice you know like that's yeah. because they could have traded 12. And just picked once and like yeah. 12 and one of those future assets to get to 11. You know, I think they would have done that, but they traded the three, which I think you'd have to believe that other people were bidding for that pick at 11. And well, that, it, and that three, it, and that three would be like, Hey, no one's going to beat this. Like, here's, here's the offer. Here's three. And if Jing is there, then we'll take him. It sounded like the Cavs, like their their top three in that range in some order was Usman Jang, Jalen Williams, and Ochai. And so yeah. the Thunder taking two of those guys off the board right before they were going to pick, that yeah. had to have hurt a little bit. 
Yeah, definitely. I think that's I think that was the Cavs guy. And from what I heard, yeah. like Dyson Daniels, if Dyson Daniels wasn't there at eight, like Jang was gonna be there, their guy at eight. For New so, Orleans. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if I mean he goes at eight, then the Thunder may not walk away with three lottery picks. They may only walk away with two. Right. Um, well, hey, Andrew, I, I do have to call you out, though. Uh, you know, you've, you've been poo-pooing these picks. I just want to give these picks a little shout out because we spent a lot of time with them. We, did. we loved and nurtured these picks. We did. We talked we, we talked about their upside. Yep. And I, ju- I just feel like they're getting short shrift. You know, they, they didn't do anything wrong to us. And, and now we're poo-pooing. We're kicking them on the, on the on, you know, on the butt on the I've way out. I've said it's an overpay. Andrew. I've said it's an overpay. Because, listen, I get... So with both of those picks, remember the thing we loved about them was that they were extended so far out yeah. that if these teams ever want to do anything, they have to come to the Thunder. Yep. But the other thing is like that Washington pick is so perfectly designed for oh the Wizards. Gosh, I know. Because it's all focused on like the late lottery, which is right. where the Wizards seem to be targeting themselves every single year. So I still think that pick has some value. And I, yeah, you know, it, I don't know if it'll really matter, but not ha- giving up the guaranteed 23 pick with Denver, yeah. which, you know, will probably be like 25 or 26. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, it's, it's going to be a, a late first. Who cares? But it is that 23 draft. And so you just wonder, like, are they going to do anything else to try to improve the value of their standing in next year's draft? Yeah. Because now they just have their own their own pick. Yep. And it seems like other teams are valuing that draft a lot. So I don't know. It'll be interesting. Yeah. I think... I think where this team is at, and we can talk about roster crunch stuff. I mean, they're going to have to make a decision today on Muscala and Roby. Oh, well, um, I, meant, I meant to say to Derek, because he was saying that around the league, people are saying there's a ton of minutes there for young guys. I'm like, where? Where? We don't have enough minutes. <laughs> we have too many players. We need to add a sixth spot on the court. I know. To get these guys playing time. Yeah. I think because they've got so many guys that having just one pick for next year is good. You know, add like one blue chip, like top 10 pick to this team. And then I feel like because they got Chet, I think you can feel pretty good about that. Because I I think that you can feel pretty solid about the lineup that they've got now. And then adding, if you can add a wing to this team in next year's draft, like man, I think that you're feeling pretty good about the team that you've built. And then when you get to summer of 23... You can start using, you know, the, your future picks or your cap space or whatever to start to acquire players and maybe make more sense. Like, and then you can start thinking about fit. But I think this team, there's nothing like fit related to what they did. I think they just took players. I mean, they took four players that I think kind of fit the mold of the, of what they want. To all decision makers, and is there overlap? Sure, there's some overlap. And how does it work ultimately? I don't think it really matters because I just think that they want to throw all these guys out there, let them compete, and see who kind of floats to the top. And, you know, later, as and as soon as next summer, we'll start talking about fit and like what they need and how, because we don't know how good like J Dub is going to be. He could be very good. There's a lot of optimism around him and what he could be at the NBA level. Um, I don't know why, but the the dub suffix I associate that with bigger players, and then <laughs> and then Will J Will I think of like 
Jason Williams on the Kings, so yeah, I associate it with I like smaller players. So it's like totally reversed in my head. I know. I don't like it. I've been on the record that I don't like it. I don't like the J Will J Dub thing. It's not. If it was flipped, I think thing. I'd it'd be easier for my brain. Because J Dub just sounds like a big dude. Yeah, he does. He's not. Which I mean, yeah. J- J- I mean, he has a long wingspan, so I he guess it's, you know, it's technically big. That's true. Uh, but yeah, I uh. I'm feeling pretty good about the draft. I, I'll, I'll say what you just mentioned about like how there is a lot of overlap. I think that is one of the major benefits of taking Chet. Yeah. Because Chet has already proven that he is willing to play a role oh, based yeah. on how the team is constructed. Like that's what he did at Gonzaga. Mm-hmm. And I think that they're going to give him a lot of opportunities to spread his wings a lot more than he had at Gonzaga. But you, you also know like this isn't a guy coming in expecting to just like be a, 30% usage guy and mm-hmm. just soak up possessions. That's not really what he is mm-hmm. right now. Yeah. And he's fine with that. Definitely not. Yeah. He, I mean, he's, he says all the right things about, he just wants to win. He'll do whatever the coaches say. You know, that's great. If that's the case, that's great. It's an easy, easier job for Mark <laughs> to be able to tell these guys what to yeah. do. I love his personality too. Yeah. Cause he, he when you look at him, you're not expecting like this guy. I, I don't know, like the amount of confidence he has. Oh yeah, compared to how he looks, I just love that. Yeah, like you kind of need someone like that. Like if he came in looking like that and was super like quiet, yeah, and like soft spoken, you'd kind of be like, ooh, am I am I worried about this guy long term? But he just he's like such a gamer. He's got that dog in him, Andrew. He does. What you're describing Big is time. a little bit of poke. Is is what Poku is like. You know what I mean? Oh, like the opposite? Yeah. Where, where he's you kind of want Poco to be a little more alpha. Yes. Yeah. And it's just not really there. And he is... And People will compare he and Poku forever because they're both tall, white, and skinny. But personality-wise, they are so different. I mean, so, 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 so different. And answer questions differently, carry themselves differently. Um, I'm very excited to, to see I mean, him on the court. Chet carries himself like someone who has been in the spotlight his entire life, yes. basically. Yes. And he has been. I mean, I, I, I was uh, watching, this is like before the draft, but I was going back and just, you know, Googling Chet Holmgren on, you, on YouTube and seeing what comes up. And there were videos from like five years ago where he's getting like interviewed. Like people are already ex- that excited about him. And so like he's been prepping for this the entire time. Yeah. Yeah. I, I truly do believe that if he just, looked semi-normal that he would have been easily the number one pick yeah yeah and we're not even having these discussions he's not even on the thunder especially when you factor in his like advanced stats from college it's crazy like they they're crazy yeah it's absolutely bonkers what he's able to do and with this kind of team in this setting where it really just is about like development and becoming like a basketball team that has continuity, adding a guy like Chet, like you just cannot understate what what it has done, what it will do for this franchise. And we may not see it right away in like summer league. Like I don't know if he's going to dominate summer league or not. I wouldn't care too much about that because I think it's it's all about the long play. It's all about what this team can look like in three years, not what they'll look like next year. And that w- that was disappointing though. That Giddy's not going to be with chat 
I know. It's uh, the most boring what, thing. Where, why are they doing this to us? I don't know. Yeah, the Utah Summer League, it starts a week from today. Um, they'll play in Utah. And it's just gonna be and it's just gonna be all the guys already on the roster. It's the guys that we've already seen. Yep. And then in, I think that tr- I think there's a chance that Trey plays and just g- give us a little Usman. Just send Usman. I know. Just give us something. I know. I know. What is their deal? Even even J Dub would be cool. So it'll be it'll be Giddy, Poku, Wiggins, Giddy, Poku, Jerry. Wiggins. Yeah, yeah. Those guys. Poku. And maybe yeah. Trey Man. Yeah. Yeah, but they Mark was pretty explicit that there will be no poku or giddy in vegas see that also that also makes you feel like then why even bother with giddy like why even send giddy to utah <laughs> i don't know what's the, what's the point i don't know i mean i guess we'll get to see his, his shot see yeah. if there's been any any changes there that's exciting yeah potentially yeah. yeah it could be a really big summer for josh you know Get Could the, be get the full get the full summer between these two, and it's he's he's such an interesting connector piece to all of this, where it's easy to think about Shay and Chet, but Josh being like the connector of all these guys, I think is going to be really fascinating to see, and also like we talked about Usman growing. I mean, Giddy's younger than almost all the guys that win the first round. Yeah. And like, what if Giddy is like six ten? You know, <laughs> it's like It'll six be, ten. Be pretty wild. <laughs> I think that's possible. And just think about growing people. You know, it's possible that he's still growing at his age. Um, yeah, it's it's fascinating. Uh, roster crunch. What's your prediction for the Muscala Roby decisions that have to be made today? Uh, I bet they. Pick up Muscala, and I bet they don't pick up Roby. That would be my 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 guess for today. Yeah, that's kind of my feel for it too. Because I, I've been thinking about, you know, I'm I'm fascinated by Detroit's rebuild and just comparing and contrasting with OKC because Troy Weaver is there. Yeah, and like that move they made yesterday to bring in Nerlens Noel and Alec Burks. First of all, you know, Nerlens was with Troy Weaver when he was with the Thunder. Um, but they were a team that didn't really have that like really solid vet yet. Like, you know, they mm-hmm. had like Kelly Olenek. Yeah. Um, I mean, they had, I mean, I guess Jeremy Grant would count as that, but just kind of like the bench vet. And so it looks like they're still trying to fill that role because the, the plan is to keep Nerlens and Alec Burks. And I think that if OKC didn't have guys in place like Mike Muscala and Kenrich Williams, they might have been more open to bringing back Nerlens Noel. Yeah. for a second or whatever it is. Yeah. Um but that's but I I think they do value having those vets in place, especially on a team that continually gets younger every single year. Right. It's nice to have some stability and veteran leadership. And I think Mike Muscala and Kenrich have both like proven that. Like they're, yeah. they're incredible people to have in this organization. So with Roby, I think it's more of just a, a roster crunch situation. Like how many minutes is he really going to get? If you're trying to get minutes for Jalen Williams, Jay, Will, if you're trying to get minutes for Jerry and Chet, like, yeah, how much? And, and, and especially if, if you're and still like, keeping yeah. Baisley, yeah. Yeah. Where yeah. are you getting Roby minutes? Yeah, you just don't. And they've picked up big guys at the end of the season. If they need to pick up somebody, they can do that. I just don't. 
I don't see the the minutes there for him either. And so they they're going to need to clear several spots. I think Roby is probably one of them. And then I think that Jermichael Green's gone. Uh, Sam already said that. And then I think Favors is gone. So I think that's that's three that I feel pretty confident about. And they have to get up to five. Yeah. So they need two more. So one one prediction I will make, Andrew. Okay. Potentially bold. I don't know. Yeah. I, th- I think they're going to keep tail. Okay. For another year. I kind of don't. I kind of do believe that as well. He's played horrifically. But <laughs> but I I this may be a dumb reason, but having like a person to help Usman Jang transition to yeah. living in America who can speak his language and everything and make it just easier for him. Yes. I do think there's value in that. Especially after hearing how badly the first part of his season went because it was like such a hard transition for him culturally. Wasn't that the same with Gabriel Deck? Like there just wasn't like a person there to like really help I, him. Yeah, I think that that was part of the the dysfunction with with Deck. Yeah. Yeah. So I do think there's value in having Teo there. Yeah. Completely separate from what he's doing on the basketball court. Like we could debate that. And he's but, a work like he works hard. Like despite yeah. the not having the results, like he works hard. And so I, I do think that there's value there. Um Maybe you just bring back Jalen Horde. You know, I don't know. Uh oh, he's French as well. Mm-hmm. Oh wow. Also, Dort speaks French. That's true. So maybe, so maybe we we're don't covered. Need Teo. Teo's gone. <laughs> <laughs> I just know if I went, if I like signed with a team overseas, yeah. If there was like a player who spoke English, it would just make it would make it so much easier. Yeah. And make me feel so much more like comfortable. Just having someone, I could always ask, like, "Hey, what did what did what did they just say?" Yeah. If if I wasn't like super confident in my whatever language it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I could see that. So, who do you think? Um, who do you think is getting cut then? Um, I think they could potentially. I think they could potentially like trade Ty Jerome into someone's like TPE, like a small TPE. Yeah. I think I think he'd be a fine like backup guard for a lot of teams in the league, especially after getting J Dove. It's just like there's just no room now for a guy like yeah. That. Um, and then you're looking at Veet, yeah. Who I I know you and Michele are are still feeling I, feeling a little frisky with. Is that is that correct? Athletically, I just want to see where he's at. You know, and you yeah. don't have to make these decisions until October. So yeah. it's not like they're they're on the clock here in the next few days to get this done. You know, they're on the clock with these options. They could still pick up both options, by the way, and then just wave them later. You know, yeah, like they don't yeah. have they could pick up the option almost as like a favor to Roby and say like, hey, listen, you've worked really hard. We appreciate what you've done in our program. We're going to give you the rest of the summer to kind of prove yourself. And we'll go from there, you know. And just pick up the option, you know that wouldn't so that that honestly wouldn't shock me. And also, like the Thunder just haven't spent all that much money on their roster over the past few years, and so if they do something like that, just as a like goodwill favor to a guy like Isaiah Roby who has worked his tail off, honestly, he's become a much better player. When he first got here, he, he first of all he was injured, but the first like impressions of him were like, holy smokes, like this guy's not an NBA player. And he, he played well 
there were stretches where he played really well. And I think that you got to tip your hat to him. And so if they do pick up his option, I don't think that that means that like he's staying with the team. But I do think that there's a chance that they do that just as like, hey, Isaiah Roby, we appreciate what you've done for this organization, but you're probably going to be gone yeah. anyways. <laughs> you know, those things, that's, I think that's not impossible. I think the, the thing that makes the most sense is to just decline the option and let him cut him loose, let him go get on some kind of roster, let him go get on a summer league roster and try to make a team. You know, that might be a better favor to him. You yeah. Know? Um, but who knows? I don't know. I think that he could on a, on a team that has like zero depth. Like maybe he could be the 14th or 15th man on a team. You know, I don't think that's impossible. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think we, we, we kind of know who's like on the, I don't know, like who, who is in. Well, I'm you don't want to say chopping block, do you? <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it's these guys like, I feel bad. I, I feel bad because like these guys really, and you know, I've been, I've talked to all of these guys and you do, there's like this degree of like, man, like they have worked so hard to achieve this dream. And like, it's going to be, a lot of their dreams are going to be gone just because the Thunder have too many draft picks. Well, not only you that, know. but like a lot of these guys, if they were on other teams, you might have like end of bench celebrations. They were like, oh, I really liked you know seeing that guy on the end of the bench. He always did the best celebrations. With this Thunder team, like we've seen these guys play significant minutes mm-hmm. over multiple seasons. And because of that, like they're much more a part of, it feels like they're much more a part of this team in this franchise i mean you saw the videos from in my from miami and it was like the whole team was there mm-hmm. basically even though a lot of those guys probably won't be on the team next year but there's just like a, a much greater sense of like these guys are part of the thunder franchise even though we literally cannot take them all into next season yeah that's why they're gonna have to come back to thunder legends night here in a few years which you know what that would excite me because some <laughs> of the guys that came back for thunder legends it was you know it was questionable whether I like really had a strong opinion on, on them one way or the other. But if we go down the line and some of these guys are coming back for Thunder Legends, that'll, that'll be exciting. Yeah. I'll be excited. You see Isaiah Roby up there with his fair oh, standing skin. up. Yeah. It'll be beautiful. It'll be beautiful. Um, so, yeah, I was looking at the rest of the. Why did it send me here? Um, I was looking at the rest of the roster. Who Who's the other. I mean, we feel, we feel pretty good about Aaron Wiggins, but I mean, we should yeah. acknowledge that he was like a late 50s pick in the second round but i still feel kind of good about him it's just positional scarcity you know yeah. the fact that he's his size that mobile good defender if the three ball comes along like he's a good player and i do wonder you know we we know that lindy waters is on a two-way right now but those are non-guaranteed yeah. contracts so right. they could flip that into someone else if they wanted to they also have an additional two-way contract I'm very interested to see which of these guys end up being the two-way guys because that is one way to save one of these guys, keep them within the organization, yeah, at least through you know another year or two. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me. I mean, you think about Veet because they took him kind of early in the second round, and so you yeah. wonder with him and Teo, like, okay, we've got a little bit more invested in these guys than we do like an Isaiah Roby or somebody like that. So maybe we need to find a way to keep both of those guys around. Maybe Veet gets put on a two-way contract. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, I think that's that's not impossible either that they waive him and then bring him back as a two way just so he can stay with the organization and 
continue to kind of rehab because he had surgery right after the season was over. That's why we didn't get to talk to him. And I don't know. I don't know what that looks like. I think he'll play in summer league and I think we'll have a better idea of where he is athletically. You do worry that a guy who struggled athletically had to have surgery. And then you're kind of betting on that on the other end. It's like, Oh boy, I don't know. Yeah. It's kind of a tough situation. Uh, Free agency starts here in a few hours, right? Um, yeah, we, uh, Andrew, we should tell people for the first time ever. Oh, wait, no, never mind. We're, <laughs> I was about to say we're going to record Saturday Slam on J- Jam on a Saturday, but we're actually not. It's yeah, going to be not. Friday. We, we were going but, to, but we're not. Yeah. <laughs> but we're going we're gonna to wait for some stuff to happen. Yeah. We assume there will be some stuff. Yeah. Uh, basically, none of it Thunder-related unless it's a trade. Uh, the Thunder yeah. will not be using free agency because they don't have a spot to bring a free agent into. <laughs> so, barring some like crazy thing happening where they either wave a ton of guys or something, you know, the Thunder will not be active in free agency. But uh, any anything in free agency stick out to you that you're excited to see what happens? Um. Well, from the Thunder's perspective, I want to see. You know, do they do they end up absorbing any contracts for fun? Yeah. Uh, to get a pick or not. I, I After seeing what Detroit got for Nerlens and Alec Burks, it was like, okay, I get why OKC didn't jump in there. Yeah. Like one of them was a top 55 protected second. I know. It was the, very The other one was like a decent, it, it was a Detroit second, I think. So that was nice. But I, I haven't, I, I'm still wondering about the Kemba deal. We, we couldn't take back, we couldn't have reacquired Kemba, right? Um... Because I just I feel like there would have been more suitors for that contract if they were really getting back a lottery pick in the draft. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't even know if they would have wanted to. <laughs> like, oh. Hey, Kimba. Take it. Back again? Well, let's find a way to get you out of here one more time. Yeah, I don't yeah. know if they could have reacquired him. Um, even if they could, I just don't know. Um did you see we have. just got a new salary cap, Andrew? I did see that. Increased 11.6 million from last year's salary cap figure of 112 minutes. It's now at 123.6. That's really, really interesting. Oh my gosh. Fred Katz just tweeted that at 123.6 <laughs> million salary cap means a max deal for Bradley Beal would now be 250.9 million over five years. Oh, year five would be 57.1 million. 57. Man. That just, I mean, thinking about the NBA, you know, even like 10 years ago or whatever, like 57 million for one player. It's just like, it's a mind blowing number. I think, I think what I'm interested in is the fact that Detroit kind of soaked up their cap space with these, all these Knicks deals. It's very very thundery of them to do that because I think everybody made these assumptions about what they could do in free agency. And they're like, no, we're going to, we're not going to do that. Well, that's what, that's why I love comparing and contrasting these two, because a lot of what Troy Weavers is, is doing is out of the Presti playbook. Yes. On the flip side, the type of players they're drafting are more old thunder style than what we think of as new thunder, which I think is really interesting. Yeah. Um, no, I was. I'm really interested to see who actually has cap space because the Dort question is really interesting. Because I've seen a lot of people online saying, "Why wouldn't you just 
send him to restricted free agency. Right. And especially in a market like this, where maybe he wouldn't get a lot, but I, I DM John Hamm because I did want to know this. He would have had a qualifying offer. So he, if, if there wasn't a good deal out there, we would have ended up in the same place where he could have just taken the qualifying offer and become an unrestricted free agent next summer. So and like paid him if, more money. Do what? And the, the qualifying offer is more. I'm assuming it was. John didn't know like the exact figure. I don't know yeah. how you I mean, calculate they, they that. They almost always are more. Um, but yeah, I that made me think of that. Now I I do like worry for Dort. Like I don't I don't know if this is the best option for Dort because one, coming off of last year, like that is probably the most shots he might get in his career. And yeah. so, we, we, like we've talked about it, like those counting stats he had last year may be a high for him. Yeah, in the sure. near future, for sure, it's likely that his counting stats are going to come down. Now, on the flip side, maybe he's goes back to like crazy Dort defense, and and all the advanced stats love him again on defense, and yeah. that would help him as well. And maybe he's only taking corner threes, and now like he's he looks really valuable. But I do worry, like if because if he gets injured, like I would personally feel awful. For a yeah. guy who's been underpaid his whole career, is on the precipice of getting a like life changing deal. Obviously, getting yeah. two million a year is pretty life changing, but to get like a long term, anything over ten million a year, if he got injured, I would feel awful. So this feels risky for him. Yeah, obviously he doesn't have a ton of control yeah, over it, but yeah, I'm just I'm just hoping for like a healthy, productive season from Dort because otherwise I will feel terrible. Yeah. No, I, th- I think it's. I think it'll be fine. I think he's he, also built incredibly. Like he, he, he yeah. feels like Russ in some ways, where it's like I don't think he can get hurt. I don't yeah. think it's allowed. Yeah, I don't feel worried about it. I think he's going to be fine. I think he's going to play a role that's more suited for him, and I think we actually get to see what that looks like, which I think is really important. I think it's really important to see before you pay him, what does he look like as like your fourth or fifth starter. Rather than like your, I mean, he was like the second scorer on the team last year. Yeah, and now you bring in like Jalen Williams out of Santa Clara is going to be like a much better scorer than Dort is. Uh, I think Chet is going to be a guy that's going to need some possessions. I think that Giddy hopefully develops a little bit more and can be that guy too. And so Dort's just, his role is just going to get squeezed. And so they're going to have to figure out what to do with him. And I know that Mark doesn't like to define or box in players, but eventually you have to do that within an NBA construct or else it's just chaos, <laughs> you know? Maybe they want that. I, th- I You know I, what? I, Maybe this year they do. Maybe this year I they do. I do think, like, because everyone keeps bringing up the Jeremy Grant situation. Like, oh, they let him go to unrestricted free agency and, and he came back. Big whoop. Like, why, yeah. why should we be worried? I do think like the context there is really important because when Jeremy was coming back, that was when you knew Mello was leaving. Mm-hmm. And so Jeremy was basically being guaranteed a starting spot. Anything that Dort is going to be offered next summer is likely going to be less of a role than he played last year for the Thunder. So I, I'm less convinced that that's like a good example to use as proof that like, oh, don't worry about it. Dort's definitely going to come back next summer. Yeah, like, I, I think it's very up in the air whether Dort is on this team the following season. I, I would say that if they f- if they get the the feeling that he won't be back, they'll trade him at the deadline. Yeah, which 
if you're trading him at the deadline, like that is an incredible deal for another team. Like only having to absorb like two million or whatever it is. Yeah. And getting a, a rotation player like that, like that, I would feel like that'd be worth a lot. Cause if you're a contender, that's a pretty easy like salary to fit in, even if you're totally capped out. Like, you can figure out something. Yeah. Like a, a lot of people have two million dollar TBEs, you know? Mm-hmm. It's easy to get a draft pick that way. So you talked about like the 23 draft. If they wanted to get back in the 23 draft, you know, Dort's yeah. a way to do that. You know, if you can get like a pick in the like the late teens or something like that for him, I think that that makes a lot of sense. I'm just looking at the teams with uh with with TPEs now. Is there anyone really juicy, Andrew? Is there a really <laughs> juicy team? Well, would I would have picked sense? Denver as a team for him, but now they've got KCP. Yeah. Um. So I don't know that that fits. I mean, you could still use Dort even with KCP. There's no doubt about that. Yeah. But, like the Lakers could absolutely use him in some way. <sighs> yeah, the Lakers. I'm. I'm. I mean, I'm not actually worried about them. I don't care. But <laughs> if I was a fan, I would be worried about them. Oh the idea gosh. that like we went through last year. I feel. I feel like we don't emphasize enough how horrible that was. Yeah. Just the experience of living through that, even as a non-fan. Just having just the constant everything that was going on well, and expecting to, like, Darvin Ham to just fix them. it with no major additions. Yeah. And the fact that it, coming out of that, we were all like, oh, they need to get a lot better defensively. Yeah. And they're going to use their one mechanism to do that, to bring back Malik Monk, who granted had a great season. But like he what what's what's going on, Andrew? Maybe they're just not I'm a good terrified. franchise anymore. You know? Maybe they're not. I'm just, I would not be happy. Teams I would not be happy to be a fan of right now, Andrew. Okay. The Lakers. Lakers. Uh, The Mavericks. Although I do think there is some upside on the horizon by not giving Jalen Brunson this huge deal. It it hurts a little initially. But I think long term, there's a potential for that to be a good thing. Yeah. It does. Because they have to get someone better than Jalen Brunson around Luka. Yes. And if Jalen Brunson's on this team, I think that's a lot harder to do. Yeah. Brunson's good, though. Not but good, but not it kind of hurts right thing, now. Though. Yeah. Because the entire idea of Nico Harrison coming in, this big Nike exec, it was like, oh, he's going to bring all these free agents in. Dallas has never been able to get free agents. And now they can't even keep their own guys. I know. Well, all the Jalen Brunson connections to the Knicks are just weird. Just kind of crazy. Yeah. Uh, any the other Knicks. teams that are, oh, I mean, Utah. Utah. Oh god. I'm freaking out about Utah right now. Oh. Not a ton of ways to get better and they're apparently asking so much for Gobert that it seems more likely than not that they don't make a Gobert trade, which means they're going to roll into next season with the same team. Yeah, that would stress me out maybe more. <laughs> That's terrifying. I don't like, want that. Oh, nobody wants that. Gobert. Can you imagine being a Jazz fan that. having to talk yourself into that team? Again, for like the fifth year in a row. To me, it just feels like that's the, like the powder keg of like Donovan Mitchell just saying like, screw it. Like, get me out of here. That 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 is what it feels like. You know what I mean? Like, I just don't think that Mitchell will, will do that. And then he'll be in Miami. <laughs> um, and then the other team, Phoenix Suns, Andrew. Oh, gosh. I'm a little stressed about them because once the KD thing fell through, which you looked at the betting markets and it was like the Nets have jumped up into the lead for to get DeAndre Ayton. The only way that can happen is with a KD trade. Yeah. The idea of KD going to Phoenix actually made a lot of sense Yeah, because it's like, who's giving a better package than DeAndre Ayton and Mikael Bridges? Yeah. 
Now for that to be off the table and backed up by all the reporting saying that DeAndre Ayton is likely not going to be on this team next year, that, that's making me nervous. I know. I'm, feeling, I'm not feeling good about anything going on over there. I know. After feeling so great. About so great. All, and, yeah. then, and then they, I mean, just doing the interview. I mean, a lot of teams do stuff off the record where they maybe say things that are questionable, but it's off the record. It's whatever. Um, to go on the record and say all the stuff they did is just, it's extremely concerning. It's extremely concerning. If you're a Suns fan, you have to be so, so Especially sad. When the, the team's entire core is built out of draft picks, not just draft picks, lottery picks. I know. I it's know. it's four lottery picks plus Chris Paul. Like, that's the team. <sighs> and they're probably going to be back picking again soon. Like, as soon as Chris Paul leaves, like, I'm... I've totally changed my tune. I used to think like, okay, Chris Paul leaves. I still f- feel so good about this Phoenix core. And I have flipped. I'm like super concerned. If now. they trade eight, I mean, if they let Aiden go or sign and trade him for Clint Who, Capella like and Anyone whatever. who's been talked about. <laughs> I know. Unless it's OG. That's the one deal where I'm like, okay, I, you can sell me on that. And it kind of makes sense for Toronto. Yeah. I, I, could, I could talk myself into that really quick. Anything else that I've seen, I'm like, no, this is not good enough return for DeAndre. It's so disastrous. Yeah. Well, I guess that's it for well. today. <laughs> uh, so well. many interesting things going on. Thanks again to Derek Murray for joining us. Uh, please be sure to subscribe to us on YouTube. We're getting close to 3,000 so subscribers. First, hmm? Sorry, when is, the, when is the first summer league game? Is it Wednesday? Next Wednesday night, they play. Mm. Yep. So we'll do a preview. Yes. Of who they're going to play. Unfortunately, we'll be doing a preview. I guess we could do a Thursday pod, a legendary Thursday pod. But yeah, if there's going to be another game on like, is there going to be another game on Thursday? Are they playing back-to-backs? Uh, I actually think they might be. Hold on. Utah Summer League. I've just brought the pod to a screeching halt. You really did. <laughs> <laughs> right as it was about to end perfectly. I know. I was about to land the plane. We're about to crash it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So there is this California classic. That's the Lakers, Miami, Sacramento, Golden State thing yeah. that happens. That's starting Saturday. And then next Wednesday, they play Memphis at 6 o'clock on ESPN2. Cool. And then Thursday, they play Philadelphia. Sweet. Well, let's do it. Let's do a Wednesday night pod, and then you can have the Thursday game for the fry pod. Night pod. Yeah, they play Philly. They only play. Oh wait, no, they play Tuesday and Wednesday. Sorry. Oh, great. Awesome. Tuesday. Yeah, they play Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. So never mind about everything I've said ever. Sweet. So we're we're gonna get to watch the uh, the Thunder take on the Jazz's young core <laughs> on Tuesday night. <laughs> Who would That's that be? Exciting. It's going to be... I mean, are they going to make Nikhil Alexander-Walker go? Oh It'll probably be gosh. Jared Butler, Yudoka yeah, Azabuki. Yeah, I like Jared Butler. Yeah. And that's it. I'd make Nikhil go. He didn't play. <laughs> if I'm Nikhil, I'd want to yeah. go. <laughs> it's brutal. Yeah. Okay. So we'll have a lot to, uh, to talk about. Talk about Josh's jump shot. Good or yes. bad. Who knows? We'll see. Uh, All right, everybody have a great day. We will talk to you guys again on Friday.